No, he didn't slam you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On iRacing podcast. My name is Braden Martin and we are here in the year 2022, season two. It is week three of the iRacing schedule and tonight I am joined by... The magnificent AJ. It's nice to see you back, AJ. And I'm also joined by Carl Withy Wilkinson, making your podcast Locked On iRacing debut. How are you, mate? I am very good. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. All that usual stuff. It's, it's nice to actually finally be invited on the show proper. That's it. We hear your voice a lot going through the Angst Car uh, recaps, which I'm sure everyone loves. But it's uh, nice to get you here instead of Wilco while he's gallivanting around the countryside doing uh, God knows what. We're also joined by Alex John. AJ, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yes. Very good. Very good. Um, Yeah, we're back in. It feels like after the the year um, anniversary, it's like we're starting a a new year. It's like, what's ahead? That's it. Yeah, starting a fresh... So, as always, if you don't already know, make sure you check out the Locked On Lads over at LockedOnLads.com. And if you haven't already joined in all the fun on the Discord, make sure you head over to LockedOnLads.com forward slash Discord to join in on all the happenings that are happening in the little Discord community over there. Um, I noticed that today the um, the Game of the Month channel has just been changed its name to it's, it's Wordle, okay? <laughs> so, basically, that was the only game that was being put in there, the Wordles and the Quirtles, and I don't know what's going on. There was a Waffle game going on. I have no idea what's going on in that channel anymore. I can't even keep up. So, uh, if you want to check that out, make sure you pop over. We've seen some Locked On-themed beers being posted in the What Are You Drinking channel. I know, uh, AJ, you were curious about a few of those and what they're going to taste like, so... Uh, definitely get in there and post uh, what kind of beers you're drinking. There's some crazy looking things in that chat. I have no idea what's going on from a non-drinker like myself, but they look interesting at the very least. All right. If you haven't, make sure you give us a review um, and a rating on your favorite podcast app of choice. Uh, A review obviously helps us out immensely and helps us grow the channel. Um, You can also check out the Locked On Lads YouTube channel and Twitch channel uh, where you can find all the series that we're broadcasting as well. And of course, we couldn't be here without our wonderful sponsor, Brewster.Coffee. Uh, Brewster.Coffee is the local, well, the place locals go to find their their coffee. Local coffee enthusiasts use Brewster to find and review the best coffee experiences, coffee shops, cafes, and freshly the roasted coffee beans all around the world. So make sure you jump on and leave a review of your favorite place or find a new spot to get your morning blend. But with all the pleasantries out of the way... Gentlemen, what have we been up to this week with your racing? Maybe we'll start with you, AJ, seeing as you kind of kicked off the week with the support series uh, for the Scots. How did that go? Yeah, so um, we went to, uh, what was it, Mosport in, in Canada. So uh, it was it was pretty good. I actually qualified P4, surprisingly. Like, I don't know how. I did a little bit of practice, so, you know, there was that. But um, a P4 and not too far off the um, pole pole time. So that was good. Then on the start line, forgot how to start a car. And of course, no assists in that series. So I stalled the car. Didn't have my finger anywhere near the starter button. Um, so after the first lap, I was like second last. And then, uh, you know, all this talk about the new qualifying system for, for Scops and all that. This just proves like that whole theory of, you know, one lap pace because that's all I had was the qualifying <laughs> pace. And then I, I made it back to like about um, 
P10 or P9 or something, and then that like that was it. I wasn't catching. I definitely wasn't making my way back up to P4. Um, but yeah, it was good fun racing. Not 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 my favourite track. Um, and we did have a, a pretty clean race, but a, a late safety car came out. Um, so I decided to gamble and change tyres. And again, I'd probably stuff that up because um, I changed all four. And, you know, I looked at my tyre box after uh, the pit stop and the, the rears were still like 99% anyway. So I just had cold rears, which, and we had two laps to go. So I think I just couldn't get the heat back into tyres quick enough. And I, I managed to get like one spot back um after the restart in the last two laps but i just didn't have i didn't have any more speed on the new tires so that was a bit disappointing and then um yeah we, we do have the time schedule in um in in the discord for when the races are going to be on because there's two races for the night and it, it was meant to be i think 40 past the hour and i came back 35 past and i was already on lap two so i was really disappointed because my crappy race one could have put me you know a bit further up the grid the reverse grid race but anyway not to be I think I I wasn't the only one caught out by that, so I don't feel so bad. But, um, but yeah, that was that was Scott's supports. And then the other thing, not racing, but um, I got to call SNL with Alex and Kota. So that was really um, exciting. And sort of bring back memories from um, when we went there in Aussie car. And I'm warming up to that track. I absolutely hated it for so many years. But now, you know, I've had a little bit of racing on there and, and watching the racing um, the, the other night, with which, you know, Alex is all going to go through, I'm sure. But, you know, it was really good, clean, um, just really great close racing. Yeah, three wides on the last lap. And, um, literally, like, five cars uh, on the last lap that could have taken the win. And, and the win sort of came out of nowhere a bit in a way. Um, so, yeah, that was my week. Yeah, the racing in SNLs were really heating up over the last sort of season and a half. And some of the races that they've had have just been absolutely quality. So, interesting that you got the call up into the commentary box after Wilco decided to steal... Uh, Alex's other commentator and yourself, Carl. What have you been up to this week? Well, that, that's it. It's, it's I've been sort of snagged by other series as well, so I can no longer help with uh, SNL for commentary duties. Um, I'm in demand too much recently. Um, so obviously, I was actually doing the Australasia Supercar E Series on Sunday, so doing their final two rounds, broadcasting that. So that's been fun having to relearn all of the uh, producing stuff and all of the camera packs and then of course my internet went out with about i think it was like 40 laps to go so i had to try and get that fixed managed to get everything back for the final of the race which ended in a dead heat 0.000 seconds across the line it was identical for both cars so it was something special uh so i'm glad i managed to catch it at least so that was good news um but i did actually manage to get some driving done um that there, there has been some driving happening from me which is not something I get to do as much as I'd love to. Uh, obviously, being a, driving the trucks mainly on Monday nights for Anne's car. Uh, last week was at um, Chicago Land, and I was one of the well, I was the only person that decided that a one-stop strategy would probably be a good idea. Uh, this didn't turn out to be the case. Um, I did finish kind of, you know, in a decent spot. I was only like, I was only a lap down, so it could have been worse. But yeah, it did not work out as well as I'd hoped. And then sadly, uh, Monday, we were racing at the old paperclip. We're racing at Martinsville, and that was a horror show. Um, as uh, we, we reduced the fields down to 30 for the trucks. And yeah, it was a bit of carnage, unfortunately. I sort of got caught up down towards the back of the pack after messing up the qualifying. And 
I think by about lap 40, I had a 16X on me. So I basically just pulled into pit lane and went, yep, I'm going to just have a cup of tea and be done with the night. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky little old track, that one. I haven't done too much driving around there, but I've watched a few streams and it always seems to end up in some kind of chaos. It is. It is. Look, it's a tricky track. It's a flat track and it is a short track, of course. But one of the problems is people tend to try and go too hard too early. And this has been one of the problems we've been finding is just, especially on short tracks, just don't push too hard too early. There were people really going for moves that didn't need to be going for. Uh, people really try and dive bombs early on when you, you sort of got a very narrow line through turn, through the corners where the concrete is and there were people trying dive bombs in there sort of pretty much on the first couple of laps i got taken out i think about lap, lap about lap 12 i think it was uh, somebody's just trying to dive bomb me and just caught me in the rear quarter panel and spun me around and it, it's just a thing of you don't need to race that hard that early because people will wear their tires off and you can start making those moves later in the stint if you get a long green period yeah it's definitely a lot more tactical than just um, putting in hot laps at a place like that, for sure. Very much. Well, well, I managed to... Well, I guess I kicked off my week a little bit earlier than normal, um, trying to do some pre-qualifying for Scops um, for this week. As Alex said, it's at um, Moss Sport this week, or was at Moss Sport this week. Really hard track to drive in the V8, especially I hadn't driven it around there before. And uh, the undulations and the off-camber corners, if you, you know, so much of get out of the little grooves that you can find is just really, really tricky. So I had a bit of trouble learning that on the Thursday and was thinking, okay, this might be one of the uh, rounds that I won't be making the second split, that's for sure. Um, and Friday night, obviously, there was the footy, so let's not talk about that, but meant I couldn't do any pre-qualifying um on that <laughs> um so managed to jump on saturday night and basically had to do i think my best that i did on friday uh, thursday night was like a, whatever the seconds time was was a point eight um nine or point nine or something like that and I, it was looking like i was going to need to do a point five or a point six to get in um and i'd managed to get my time down to being able to do about a point two five-ish um, by the end of doing all of some practice on Saturday. Uh, but the problem was it was very, very few and far between managing to get those times down that low. So with the new Scops pre-qualifying, uh, you only get four laps in your session um, to have a go at trying to make the field. And that four laps in the V8 supercar is really two laps because the tyres are only good for one lap um, for really, really raw pace. Uh, so I was pretty nervous, jumped in the server, first lap went out and did a point triple seven, which was not going to be good enough. That wasn't going to get me in to make the field. Um, so I was starting to stress a little bit. I pushed on the second lap just to see what I could do, but wasn't going to get a good enough time. So backed out so that I could give myself one more, um, you know, good run on brand new tires. Managed to do a point three six something, um, which was enough to get in. So qualified 73rd. So you know, uh, eight cars in um, from missing or seven cars in from missing the field, um, which was good. So, you know, it was kind of all up from there. Couldn't do too badly. Started 32nd. I probably would have preferred to come 80th and that way I could have literally not gone any worse. Um, but managed to qualify 32nd for the second split race. Had a really, really good start. Um, dodged a massive accident that took out a bunch of cars on the first turn and all of a sudden I was up to like 20 second or 21st or something after turn one or two um and then the safety car came out and then there was a i didn't really think about it and i probably should have pitted so someone who started behind me pitted at the end of lap two 
uh, because you could, um, which I didn't really necessarily realize or pick up on quick enough and ended up coming like fifth. And, you know, they qualified behind me. So technically on pace, I could have, you know, had a really good result, but stayed out. I was happy to stay out um, and just try and split my pit stop in half, change the tires and, you know, have a decent set of tires both sides of the race. The problem with this was when I came into the pits that I locked the rear brakes completely up and spun and crashed into the wall. Or well, not into the wall, but into the, I guess, I don't know what it even is at most sport. Like the, um, just the tent, big tent thing that's kind of been put up on it uh, on as a, a viewing platform and stalled the car, as AJ said, because of the no, um, <laughs> no assists uh, rule in Scops. So I had to revert, turn the car back on, reverse, and lo and behold, when I start reversing, I'm like, oh, that's my pit box. <laughs> so it was probably lucky that I actually spun because I would have just drove straight past my pit box because I had the first pit box in the pits. And you can't even see it until you're almost in the pits. And I hadn't even thought to check where my pit box was. So I had to try and do a flick spin, almost gave Riss uh, Gardner a heart attack on the broadcast because they happen to be, when I'm doing a flick spin, driving the wrong way down the pit lane uh, on the car coming into the pits. So live pictures are me <laughs> driving directly at the other car coming into the pit lane, just about to do a flick spin. So did a flick spin, stalled the car again, had to reverse back, stalled the car again, and then got the car into the pits finally. So probably cost myself a good 20-odd seconds. Uh, the car that I was directly behind as I came into the pits ended up coming 21st. So I probably would have been around that 21, 22, but managed to end up 31st. So it could have been a really good race. The The frustrating thing was it was the most consistent I felt like I'd been in the V8 so far. And, you know, I wasn't getting bullied out of corners by people. I was able to hold my own. People weren't able just to push their way past. And I, I felt like I was driving probably the best I have, but then just a silly mistake in the pits kind of ruined it, but it was all right. Um, I also did the 70-minute enduro race a couple of hours after at Imola for the final round of the SRW Championship, so I was sitting in second. I needed Stefan Lawrence basically to come eighth and for me to win uh, to have any charge for the championship. He qualified pole and I qualified second. I got a really good start and he got a not-so-good start and I think tried to make up for that not-so-good start into turn one and Ended up with some contact with Roy and spun himself around. And it was kind of like, oh, there's actually half a chance here if things go worse for him. But unfortunately, he was too quick and managed to make his way back up into the field, up the field and get up to second, uh, which meant he took away the championship, um, which is, you know, deserving. He was the most consistent driver throughout the series. I made too many mistakes, um, disappointingly. Um, managed to win the race, though, which was cool. Um, but the really interesting thing I got out of that race is the first half of the race, I made quite a few mistakes. You know, two or three times I locked um coming into the last section in that downhill braking zone ended up either in the in the dirt or having to really you know pull the car up and, and, and lock the brakes and my tires were cooked like when i went to do the second half like the second half of that first stint um the, in the first 35 minutes i felt like i was driving on ice like my car felt so squeamish there was so much understeer and then if i put my foot on the accelerator it felt like the rear was gonna go like, it was really, really hard driving. And I had uh, Daniel Schultz uh, get right up behind me because of some of the mistakes I was making. And he was, you know, 0 0.8, 0 0.6 seconds behind. And just before I was about to pit, I managed to get the uh, gap out to about 1.82 seconds. And I thought he was going to try and pit and undercut me. Um, the fresh tires, he probably would have got track position on me, uh, but decided to come in first and had a really good outlap. 
um, and had a pretty good in-lap as well and ended up, he pitted the lap after me, but he must have made a mistake trying to push too hard on his in-lap and all of a sudden I had a nine-second gap, um, which was really good. And the second half of the race, I was able to take it a lot easier, um, not push as hard. And by the end of the race, and you know, basically splitting the race in half, my tires felt completely fine. Like I felt like I could drive another 20 you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and it would be the exact same times. So it was just a really good learning curve for me about how important it is to look after your tires in these sort of cars and locking up your brakes once or twice within the same, you know, two or three laps can just have such a long lasting effect on the rest of your race. So it was a really good learning curve for me, I think. And it was nice that it happened in a win (laughs) where I was able to learn something and still manage to win the race because normally you learn something really important when you've stuffed up and you lose the race. So it was really nice to, to get that experience um, and I think it's going to help me especially driving this car a little bit more but it just was nice to know that I could still drive pretty much as fast as I was driving before but my tires actually lasted so much longer as opposed to where I felt like I was pushing really really hard and all of a sudden my tires were cooked so I don't know how much driving in any of the V8s you guys have done or even in other cars where the tires are so important but um, that's certainly something that I'd, I'd noticed. Well the next gen car gen 7 NASCAR that thing on tires is people are re- having to relearn tire management and tire temperature it is so tricky and you're seeing so many mistakes on the early stages of the race because of cold tires they take about a good two to three laps to warm up and get to an operational temperature where they work but the other thing is overheating them as well a lot of people are overheating their tires too quickly and it takes a good five laps for them to actually get back into an operational temperature where they work and that's where we're seeing most of the mistakes and most of the cautions on the ovals at the moment racing on some of the tracks so i I raced um a while back at uh, Glen in the Gen 7 and a lot of drivers were absolutely just wrecking it on the first lap they couldn't make it into the corners because first of all brake temperature but also the tire temperature is just not there and the car just does not want to work and then if you nurse it around get it there nicely and just warm it up gently it's it's fine to drive but if you don't do that you really struggle and then as you say if you overheat those tires it almost takes about three laps or four laps to get them to a point where they're kind of working again but they're never the same yeah it's something I just never got from driving the skippy. You know, you lock the brakes up in the skippy and maybe for yeah. the next two turns, you have to be a little bit worried about, you know, going off. But then after that, it's completely fine. Um, but yeah, it was just really interesting. It was it was good for me, I suppose, to actually, you know, people can tell you, yeah, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But for me to actually feel it and see it throughout a race, it, I guess it resonated a lot more um, getting that experience. So. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing too with the skippy. You know, it actually gets faster and faster the longer you drive it. Like you cannot kill a tire in a skippy. It's um, it's crazy. Even in a, you know, you could do a twenty-four hour enduro in that thing. I think that'd still come away okay. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, and and we find the same thing. We we started to venture out and race other things, and you know, we tried the trucks, um, NASCAR trucks, and then it's like, why the hell are people able to still go so fast? You know. Yeah. 10 laps into the race and we've already cooked our tires and then the same with you know us doing the enduros and we've spoken a lot about it but just different driving styles is wearing tires differently um which is a real eye-opener yeah for sure well that was lovely hearing about everyone's racing but i'm sure well this is kind of a new segment i suppose we're gonna talk a little bit about all the racing we wish we were able to do Uh, (laughs) we're gonna have a quick chat about what's coming up in the real world racing um sometimes this will be a bit of a review maybe of what's happened or like tonight might be a little bit of a preview of what's going to happen and we'll talk a little bit about our f1 fantasy competition that's uh, kicked off in the 
Locked On Lads Discord um, as well. But we're going to start with this weekend's Formula One. So, obviously, this weekend we head to Melbourne, uh, Albert Park, for the first time in quite a while. I think it's the first time in two years. At least the last two races, is that right? So... So that's going to be really cool to see the Formula 1 cars back around um, the Albert Park circuit. But not only that, the Albert Park circuit has changed a little bit as well. So some straightening out of some corners, some removals of some chicanes um, to make it a little bit more high speed. And even just looking at the track map, it just doesn't look like Albert Park when you when you look at it, doesn't it? You, just, you know, you can sort of see the resemblance of it, but it is a little bit strange to look for. I guess, uh, Carl, what are you most looking forward to this weekend, getting to see the um, the Formula One cars back in Australia? I mean, first of all, it's great to have them back on Aussie soil. It's going to be great. Um, they've, they've made the track wider by about four metres pretty much all the way around. Um, the start-finish straight's actually a little bit narrower, narrower, so the pit lane's a little bit wider as well, so that should help with the, the actual pit lane area as well. So there's lots of interesting changes, but there's so many changes to the... Uh, the apex of corners so that's one of the big things that's really going to catch a lot of drivers out it's almost like going to a whole new track because every corner it's almost i think it's about six corners they've changed the profile of and that's really going to change things up and also of course there's four drs zones there this weekend which is crazy um so that's going to make things incredibly interesting especially for i think it's going to make it very interesting for um red bull because we've seen how they tend to do quite well in the straight and Ferrari tend to run a little bit more downforce. So I think that's going to be something that's going to affect it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. One of the things I'm most interested in, though, is seeing how the Mercedes engines go because they have been having a shocking season. Mm. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, I was going to say, you know, I'm sure Daniel Ricciardo is real keen to get back home, but is he really that keen to get back home? Because it might not be a great showing for... Um, like you said, those Mercedes engines and one of them obviously being in the McLaren. So, yeah, I, it'd be I, I wonder how much it's Mercedes engine or just all of the Mercedes teams have crap chassis. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could I, be. They've been struggling. The one thing I reckon is it's that change to the change to 10% ethanol. I reckon Mercedes have done something with their mapping and they are struggling to get it working. Um, that is my. That's my little feeling, my inclination. Uh, we saw it with Red Bull at the start of the season. That that mess up at uh, Bahrain, you know, it's so it is literally just that tiny bit of coding that makes a difference. And I think that might be an area where that's going to be a change. But it does feel like Mercedes have just sort of they didn't develop the engine quite as much as the other teams did. Uh, people like Alpine with the Renault engine, for instance, that thing is very good as well. And it's sort of it's not shown itself properly yet, but it has been solid. Uh, the, the Honda Red Bulls have been, you know, they've been there, thereabouts. They've got good speed, but they're, they're just being sort of, you know, that little bit of unreliability has been up there. Um, the Ferrari seems just a really solid all-rounder. And I, it, it's sort of, I think they've got it absolutely spot on. And that's going to be where it's going to get interesting for the weekend. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because there's so many, well, I guess... You had to split your time last year between developing your new car and making sure you were still trying to push for points last season. I think that's something that Haas sneakily did without maybe people necessarily knowing. They almost tanked last year like a football team going for a number one draft pick. And, you know, they've developed this car that now is running really, really well. And they look like, you know, uh, you know big brains. But 
you know, they obviously were the laughing stock for the last season and a half, you know, at the very least. But now it's not so much like that. And I think it's got something a little bit to do with the fact that I think they just chucked all of their eggs literally in one basket and decided to go for the Hail Mary on the new regulations. Well, we've seen that work a few times. I mean, remember back in 09, of course, with the the the, the Honda, in air quotations, that had a Mercedes engine put into it with the double diffuser. Um, they absolutely put everything into that car and the brawn ended up absolutely dominating. And it, it is one of those things when you get a big rule change like that, there's so much interesting stuff that does come out of it and you see a big change. The one team I've been surprised about is Williams. I expected them to do a lot better. And again, I just get a feeling that it is that Mercedes engine is just down maybe about 20, 30 odd horsepower, just struggling that little bit. And the the Williams has been pretty quick in a straight line, but it's more down to aero than engine, I think. So again, there's, there's some really weird sort of, it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I think we're going to see a lot more it's we're going to get a lot more information at Albert Park um, than we've had before because it has got a good mix of slow corners and good fast sort of sweeping corners as well. It's going to give us a good idea for the rest of the season. AJ, what are you looking forward to having those uh, big, loud, fast boys going around the Albert Park circuit this week? Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how the track races because you know you can't really get a sense. There's been videos online of you know a car trundling around with a whole heap of trucks and cones and whatnot. <laughs> Um, it's hard to get a sense of how the track's actually going to play out. And now they've got the extra DRS zones, and we've gone to this new era, this new philosophy, and we've seen how powerful the DRS is or was at Jeddah. Um, and then the, the guys are starting to play tricks with the DRS detection zones because it's so powerful and it's, it's actually better to be overtaken, you know, going into a DRS zone and then draft back. Um, just whether, whether they've, uh, you know, done too much by having multiple DRS zones and whether... Um, you know, it's going to be too powerful with the DRS and the new car design. Um, yeah, who, who knows? And I'm a little bit sad that they did take away, I think it was a turn nine, 10 chicane. Um, I, I'm not sure they've taken away a few turns, but that that was like one of my favorite um, points, that chicane. And then you got the, the really fast left, right. And it was a great spectator um, uh, vantage point as well. You had the big hill there, grass hill, and yep. that was where you sort of had a chance. And now the cars are going to be blasting past at 300 kilometers an hour i wonder how that's going to play out for the people actually um at the track live as well um I, yeah so i'm just interested to see sort of the vibe that the new track gives um and and how it how it races yeah absolutely carl you might be able to answer this one for me four drs zones but just the two drs active uh, detection zones so does that mean uh, zone one and two, if you get DRS from the first detection zone, you'll get DRS in both the first and second uh, DRS zone. And then likewise with the second detection zone, if you get it in the second, uh, if you have DRS available for the second detection zone, you'll get it in DRS zone three and four. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's going to be one of the things that's going to make it really, again, just having two detection zones. It's kind of make it, it might make it a little bit too easy. Um, I think honestly, with this new generation of cars, it's almost like we don't need DRS now. Um, they've actually sorted out the problem of the the fact that the cars couldn't follow and pass. And DRS is just it, it was kind of a um, it was it was just a solution put in there because the cars couldn't pass each other. 
was almost a bit of and, a band-aid really exactly um you know and now it's got to a stage where drs it, it kind of don't need it you could get away with not having it and you would get good racing still uh, maybe you know introducing a push to pass system like in indycar for instance just giving them that little bit of extra boost things like that and having them let them use it whenever they want to but they only get 100 seconds throughout a race that kind of thing could be a much better option but the drs zones we saw at Jeddah it's just way too strong and it makes it way too easy as well which is unfortunate we've got some good battling between leclerc and bet uh, sorry and uh Verstappen, of course you know that good pass pass back but it would have been more interesting to see it without drs because they would have had to try in different areas and you wouldn't get that issue of people trying to stop dead on the line, trying to get the other person across the DRS line first. Yeah, it was an interesting... It, was, it kind of reminded me of, you know, a bit of a skippy race in a sense. Sometimes, yeah. like you, you, you know, you let someone overtake you because you know you're going to get them on the last lap and, it, you know, there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it. So it did remind me a little bit of driving the skippy, so... Well, that's I think, honestly, you're probably going to be best to actually let, let somebody pass on the start, finish straight on that last lap, and then you'll be able to get them through those second DRS zones um, because that long back straight now is going to be a really good opportunity for overtaking. And I think that could be a, a valid option for the person to use. So don't be surprised if you see somebody actually sort of ease off a little bit, lose on the last lap that position and then gain it back um towards the end of the lap and they won't have anything they can do because the run to the start finish line the actual finishing line is not long enough for the drs to really be effective yeah and and it's it's sort of you know we've changed two things haven't we? we've got new cars well three things new cars new track and new drs zones so you know you don't know what how it's all going to mash together this is this is probably designed for you know the two years ago when we were meant to have this yeah. race here on this new track with the old cars um so yeah that yeah i don't know well one thing i am looking forward to is the fact that i don't have to get up at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> to watch it so that is a bonus yeah All it's right. nice it's nice to have a race in our time zone for a change yeah exactly uh the other thing that is on this little bit of the agenda is we haven't talked about it yet but is the locked on lads fantasy formula one um league so you're both in it how are your teams going at the moment or would you rather not speak about those? <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, not Tim, sorry. Uh, Carl, how's your team going? Well, um, it's not doing too well. Um, I'm not last. I'll go with that. <laughs> that makes you full of confidence. Well, I'm not yeah. last. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I could be worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much bo- like right at the bottom. Um it was, I, as I said, I was expecting a little bit more from Williams at the start of the season, and yeah, did not expect the uh, the strength of that Ferrari engine. So that caught me out a little bit in some of my predictions. AJ, how about you? How's your start to the season been? <laughs> yeah, I was on the McLaren hype train a little. So um, luckily, I didn't choose their drivers just because I purely couldn't afford them. But I had the team in there, and, and I'm looking through the the rankings and seeing that having a good team is is quite important to to shooting yourself further up the leaderboard. So they quickly got subbed out after the uh, the first round, um, and now I think I've got uh, who is it in there? I think I've got the I think I've got the house in there. Yeah, I think it's the house anyway. Um, but yeah, I also picked Stroll. That was a stupid decision because uh, you know we see all of the the actual professional drivers sort of leaking back into um, into Formula One, 
and it's sort of I think highlighting some of the pay drivers uh, maybe just not quite there in uh, you know when when they stack up against the rest of the field so you know subbed him out I got a few Ferrari drivers in there now which is looking like it's going to be pretty good and I think I've even I have got Verstappen in there um, so yeah I've sort of gone very top end heavy um, but again that hurt me in the first round because all the Red Bull or you know most of the Honda cars blew up anyway so um, you know if if your guy doesn't finish then you yeah it actually takes points off you like how fair is <laughs> yeah. that yeah. yeah not not only do you not get any of the points because they're not in the points anymore then you also lose points for not finishing and probably lose points for the fact they lost positions in the race as well yeah so it's, like a, it's a double whammy my team actually I, I i thought i'd done really really well uh the one mistake i made was getting a mclaren driver in there um i started off uh with lando because i went with ferrari as my constructor and i kind of went hmm well, I know. I think Ferrari is going to be really good. I'm going to be getting a lot of points from them. What I'll try and do is maybe branch out with another driver who I think is going to do really well. I could have afforded Charles Leclerc, um, and I had him in the team with someone else. I can't remember who it was, but I decided to go uh, Lando and Pierre Gasly instead, um, and obviously didn't go great for me at Bahrain with Lando not doing great and Gasly, as you say, pulling over to the side of the road and his car dying. So I was like, okay, all right, well, I need to get rid of Lando because McLaren look like they're nowhere and I need to... And I thought, oh, I'd like to get Bottas in because, like you said, those Ferrari engines really, really good. And, you know, he's actually a quality driver and, you know, the way he was driving at Bahrain showed that it wasn't just the car that he was in last year. You know, the man can steer. So I chucked Bottas in for Gasly and subbed in Leclerc uh, for um, Lando, which was great, apart from the fact that this time Gasly was the one who finished and Bottas's car was the one that broke. So <laughs> I kind of subbed one non-finisher out for another non-finisher. Um, and then I had the same problem. I've, I've got Stroll. I had Stroll and I've still got Stroll for the time being as well. My theory on him was he was always not great at qualifying, but he normally picked up positions in the race through whatever reason, maybe people crashing, I don't know. But he always seemed to, you know, move two or three spots up. And I thought that was kind of easy points uh, with the two points you get per position gained, um, which, you know, he didn't do too bad that first race. And he ended up scoring 10 or 12 points, um, and, but not so much on the last race. I think he only got about you know five or six or something. But yeah, so my team's been Bottas, Verstappen, Magnussen, Leclerc, Stroll, and, and then... Um, the Ferrari constructor. So it had some good points, but um, still sitting mid-table. So looks like at the moment, Dave Douglas is... Oh, no, no, sorry, not Dave Douglas. Lindsay W and Daniel Hedderscheid and, oh, no, not Russell Clark, uh, rounding out <laughs> your podium. Um, and then there's some teams pretty close by, but those three have all used their mega driver as well. So they got their triple points on someone. So, man, that's a nerve-wracking thing to pull the trigger on. Three times points for a driver and all it takes is... And if the worst thing is if they crash out or something, you get triple negative points as well. It's brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got the, the balls to pull the trigger on that one yet. And I definitely won't be doing it at Albert Park with so many unknowns, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's I sort of um, I swapped to uh, I, I had Bonas and Alonso in the team, um, and that, that was just painful. After you know, it's just like oh no. <laughs> um, but you know, science, Magnussen, uh, Russell. Like I, I was, I sort of as soon as K Mag got back, I was like, yep, he's in the car straight away. Um, so I chucked him in, and that's been a very, very worthy uh, little item to that because I think I'm like 
about 20 or 30 million under budget still. Wow. <laughs> I should probably put some more money into something, but ah, well. So. You can send some my way. I could do with something like that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess let's see what happens this weekend. Uh, hopefully I can score a bunch of points and uh, overtake some people, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Grand Prix this weekend. Obviously, the supercars are on as a support series as well. So I think it's going to be a great weekend of um, racing starting on Friday night with the practice. So well, Friday afternoon, I suppose. Not Friday night anymore because it's in the normal time zone. Friday afternoon with the, uh, the practice session. So really looking forward to it. be interesting to see how the V8s go because I've heard a few grumblings that they might not like the track. So it'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Oh, to be fair, driving a V8 supercar anywhere is bloody hard, so <laughs> maybe it's just the car. All right, let's move ourselves on to the news and updates section. So this week, the news and updates section of the podcast is brought to you by the Locked On Lads, Lads Facebook page. So make sure you jump over and give the Facebook page a like and a follow um, as we keep trying to charge towards hitting those all-important numbers on the socials, um, which will obviously help keep us growing. So... First thing on the agenda is there's a new, and I guess it's kind of iRacing related, but also kind of not. There's a new World of Outlaws game on the horizon, um, which is being developed by Monster Games, which is, if anyone remembers, uh, one of the studios that iRacing sort of made a bit of a purchase on uh, late last year. Um, it was one of the ones where we discussed um, a little bit about, well, hopefully this is a step in the right direction towards maybe updating the game engine for iRacing. But at the moment, it's not looking like that so much. It actually looks like it's been more of a uh, positive for, um, you know, the Monster Games side of things, um, where they're going to be developing with iRacing uh, the new World of Outlaws game. So it's the first time that iRacing assets um, have been part of an, a console game. So the idea is that it'll be being released in the fall of 2022. Uh, I'm guessing that would be the American fall um, of 2022. And it's going to be iRacing's first official step into the world of console gaming. So, Carl, what do you think about iRacing, you know, not necessarily getting onto the console, but starting to have a play with console type things? It's interesting to see them dip their toes in because it, it feels like they are just trying out and seeing how it goes, seeing how everything settles on the console. Of course, we know that the PS5 and Xbox, uh, whatever it is these days. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, 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 can they just call it, you know, numbers? It makes it easier. Um, but we know that they are basically just computer, like just high-end, high-spec PCs these days. They are very much top-end areas. And... I feel like this might be, you know, absolute speculation, but this might be a little bit of a testing of the water, just seeing how it goes and seeing how the architecture goes for iRacing platforms, possibly for an option in the future of putting something out there. It would be interesting to see. And it's a good idea to do that in this way by doing it with... Um, the world of outlaws because obviously it's a slightly niche sort of title but it's a very popular one as well and it, it will get people interested in that aspect but they can also get a lot of data from it and they can get a lot of information from there as well uh because it's going to be quite performance heavy it's going to be quite uh the, the simulator aspects are going to be quite heavy in that respect i imagine so i think they'll be able to get a lot of information from there to see how well the other platforms will run in the future on the architecture of the consoles 
Yeah, I remember back, you know, a long time ago, thinking back when I was sort of, you know, 10, 11, 12, and I had a mate who had one of the World of Outlaws games, probably on PS2, I'm assuming, and it was good fun. Like, they're, they're actually really good fun. Um, you know, obviously, console gaming back then, definitely not racing on a steering wheel and pedals, you know, just on the controller at the gamepad. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed the game, so it'd be interesting to see how, you know, what iRacing brings to it, and I suppose just what the refresh looks like. AJ, do you have any thoughts on iRacing dipping their toes into the console world, you know, even though this time it's via another um, game developer in a sense? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how how it's executed. You know, they're saying um, they'll use iRacing or iRacing to improve the physics uh, model. So, you know, still expecting a, quite a, an approachable um you know, it's, it's, I assume it's mainly going to be controller-based, being on a console, um, with with the option to have a, a wheel, I guess. But it'll just be a, a more approachable um, way in for, for people to go sim racing. And um, you know, the, there's games like the all the the Dirt MX games and and all those sorts of things. I, I think it fits into that sort of you know different niche um, category that the and not necessarily niche either. Like I'm sure there's a huge following, especially in America, for, for Dirt Oval, and even we see here, you know, it's quite popular as well. Um, so I think it, it's got the potential to be a real hit because um, you have uh, iRacing, all iRacing's assets already, which um, is probably you know one of the stronger sides of you know iRacing's foray into another world. Like we've seen the rally cross sort of um, stagnate over the years, but um, the dirt oval side of it, you know, they keep adding more ovals. They've got a heap of different cars now. Um, you know, great physics, cool damage um, model. It's, um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be really good. And if it brings in more people and it's accessible to um, people being able to just go and spend whatever a PS5 or a X, uh, Xbox Series X game costs these days, I assume it's probably somewhere around the 90 to 100 Aussie dollars. Um, you know, that's a lot more accessible than the iRacing model of, uh, you know, just keep feeding us money year on year and, and pay for everything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, I guess, you know, anything like we talk about, any kind of innovation and those kind of things is obviously going to push iRacing in the right direction. So, you know, the more intellectual property they have, the better and more informed decisions they can make about what they do with the sim on, on the PC. So it'll be interesting to see what comes from it, if anything, I suppose. But at the very least, you would think that um, console game is going to get a really good uh, oval game. At, at the very least yeah it's actually kind of funny because i did some interviews last season with a few of the the the, the um uh, cup drivers for the uh, chase and people like josh micklemore jason martin they they start, started on um outlaw the the outlaw dirt series games um and they, that's where they sort of got into their sim racing back in the day so it's kind of funny to hear it coming back full circle and i imagine they're going to be actually pretty stoked about that Absolutely. Well, another big thing that's coming up this weekend, not uh, just the Formula One and the V8 supercars, is it's the Nürburgring 24 this weekend. So there's going to be a lot of people uh, very, very tired when they're watching the Formula One on Sunday, I'm going to assume, or at the very least still racing. Uh, Nürburgring 24 this year is on the uh, Nordschleife uh, GP and the GP Strecke track as well. So it's the combined layout. Uh, which basically forms a total lap length of 25.9 kilometers. So 
Uh, just a few turns in there for people who have been practicing to learn. It's going to be GT3, GT4, touring, uh, the touring cars, so the um, TCR cars, and also Porsche Cup car classes. So four different classes all battling it around uh, the Nordsch life um, combined layout. I don't think either of you gentlemen are having a crack this weekend at the Nürburgring 24, but... Uh, I guess we can wish good luck to anyone who is, and maybe if anyone has any cool stories they would like to share with us about their run um, for next week, we might be able to have a chat about them on the podcast. I always love hearing about the trials and tribulations of um, an endurance race like that. Have either of you had a go at the Nürburgring 24 before, or is it something maybe that you'd like to have a go in uh, in the future? Carl, would you be daring to jump into the Nürburgring 24? And I guess if you were, what what class would you be taking out of those four? NASCAR. Uh yeah, that, that's it. NASCAR. I'd be doing it Le Mans style. I'd be taking out the Gen 7, mate. Um, yeah, that thing down the back straight would be great fun. Um, look, honestly, I, I don't think I would last an enduro these days. My back is a little bit too messy, uh, unfortunately. It's sort of I, I can manage kind of a full race distance, um, but that's about it. And then I'm laid up for a day. Uh, so it makes it a little bit iffy. I did used to do... Um, the endurance racing back on the old ps1 le mans 24 hour game and did the actual full 24 hours many times in that game which was terrible um, as you can imagine um plenty but, of rsi in the the fingers and the wrists yeah, nowadays from that <laughs> exactly yeah uh, but look, i'd love to have a go at something like that it, it endurance racing is a huge passion of mine it is one of the things that i love the most uh i would love to actually do a i'd love to actually call a proper 24-hour endurance race as well sometimes that's actually something that is really sort of up there on one of the, the lists of things to do uh, obviously Nordschleifer is you know, the ring is the ring. It's an amazing place. It is such a tricky place. So, you know, it is ridiculous. You know, 16 miles, a couple of hundred corners. It is crazy. Um, and it is just, especially when you've got such a variety of different cars on there as well, when you've got those different classes and you've got those different closing speeds, it can be really, really risky. So you've got to really take care. Yeah, it's definitely a big battle of attrition. If you aren't able to race in an endurance race, maybe you can come crew chief for us or something along those lines in uh, maybe one of our next upcoming endurance races. AJ, what car would you be picking if you were going to have a crack out of those four? I'd, I'd probably stay safe and stick in a GT3. They seem pretty uh, dependable, reliable, and plenty of uh, miles under the belt racing those cars. But uh, no, the, the question was posed in the, the green team uh, Discord. You know, TSTV putting a team in, and uh, we just put back the Alex's say no. So, <laughs> not enough. the Nurburgring. Yeah, fair enough. It would be tricky. And I think the difference between, obviously, you know, the endurance races like Nurburgring, obviously, one, it's a 24 hour race, but two, it's just 100% concentration the whole time out of those 16.9 miles, except for the one long straight where you get to have a breather, you know, every eight or nine minutes. But apart from that, it's. 100% concentration and one mistake is death. <laughs> it's, yep. uh, it's, you know, very hard to come back from. So it would be interesting. I'm definitely going to be tuning into a few streams. I just hope that people take the time and care. Remember, it's a 24-hour race. And not only is it a 24-hour race, there's not a lot of passing opportunities on the Norge Life. So, you know, literally not every corner needs to be a passing move. Please don't ruin someone's race trying to, you know, go three ride through the carousel or something. I don't know what crazy people do these days. 
one of my favorite quotes about the ring uh, was Jackie Stewart. And he was talking about the track and he was just going, you come into this corner and you see this very small fern tree off in the distance. That's actually the top of a very large fern tree. So if you go off there, you're going to go off and they're not going to find you for a couple of days. <laughs> and it is just absolutely the Nürburgring ring all over. You know, it is just, you're going to die there. It, it, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, I imagine some of those lower split races especially will be literally won by whoever can stick it out the longest and has the least amount of deaths. So yeah. uh, good luck to anyone racing the Nürburgring 24. Hopefully you have all of the successes and you all win all of your races. Um, I guess there's only a couple more things I wanted to chat about. Uh, one's a real quick one. So just noticed in the Aussie Car Discord um, that there seems to be something bubbling in, in the wings. So... If you're not in the Aussie Card Discord, make sure you either had a head over and have a look at the Facebook page, or uh, and jump into the Discord because um, I noticed RSA uh, today that he's got a few exciting things in the works and he's going to have some announcements to come soon. So really glad to hear that kind of stuff. And just the last one that I noticed pop up on Facebook uh, the other day, and I guess it's uh, news in our little little world, is David Haynes of uh, SimSpeed fame and his commentary uh, genius is heading up over to the United States of America and he's doing some real world racing. He's got himself a few drives um, back to back to back. Uh, one uh, in what looks to be like a Cadillac, um, is it the GTS? I, I think it's a CTSV, I think. CTSV, yeah, there you go. Uh, at the Autobahn Country Club in Illinois by the looks of it. Then looks like he's jumping in a little uh, Mazda MX-5 Miata uh, at Carolina Motorstock motorsport park on june 24th to june 26th to do some racing as well and then he is heading to the sebring international raceway to do some racing at sebring i'm not 100 percent sure what car he's going to be out of those uh pack of cars that he's got the pictures in there but pretty exciting and pretty cool to see someone from the community going over and doing some real world racing if you listen to his interview podcast you would hear him talk all about um, his drive at Indy and, and visiting um, Virginia International Raceway. But really cool, and I'm really glad to see David jumping back in the car. And we're going to have to have him on the podcast to rack his brains about those three race weekends, um, that's for sure. Carl, what do you think about uh, his chances, uh, what, especially at a place like Sebring? <laughs> oh, look, getting to drive Sebring, that is a... My spine is going, no, no, never. <laughs> um, but it, it is just... That is a track that is a bucket list track. I mean, it is so historic. Getting to actually go around there, getting to race anywhere in America, I mean, it's an awesome thing. Uh, the Mazdas, for instance, there is so much good Mazda racing going on in America at the moment as well. Uh, the MX-5 series over there is so hot at the moment. I think it's the Imamitsu. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact one. But, you know, the support race for um, for uh the America Le Mans series and all that kind of stuff, you know, it is just so competitive and it is just such good racing going on over there. And, and it is great to see someone from the community getting out over there and actually expanding that a little bit. And, uh, you know, the jealousy's kicking and just being like, damn you, damn you. I wish I could do that. <laughs> AJ, oh. would you like to jump in a Cadillac and go, go driving? Yeah, look, well, I, I think he did put the invite out, didn't he? From memory, there was a post there, wasn't there? So yeah, he did, we've he only did. all got ourselves to blame for not also be, being going over there. But um, no, it looks interesting. Cadillac should be fun. Um, you know, anything like iRacing, big, heavy sort of, I assume, V8 or maybe V6. I don't know what they'd have in those things over there in America. But um, 
that'd be fun. And then Mazda Racing, extremely close. But I'm looking at the picture for the third series he's racing at Sebring. And like that Mazda there, it looks like it's got some sort of Mad Max body kit on it. So <laughs> I'm wondering if there's like some sort of Trans Am set up. Uh, you know, Could I be. see a very big wing at the front and maybe like an old Mazda RX-7 or something at the back. I, I don't know. Could be interesting. Uh, maybe it's multi-class, even more fun around Sebring. And I know how uh, hectic that can be. Yeah, well, I definitely think it would be multi-class because I'm having a look at the little poster as well. It says, you know, 7 and 7 hour enduro and then an 8 and 7 hour enduro and then a 7 and 7 hour enduro. So I'm assuming it's, um, you know, a bunch of, you know, endurance racing. So uh, obviously jumping in with a team and it's going to be, you know, really, really good time. So we wish David all the best of luck and maybe we might be able to get him on for a chat before he heads over and then uh, maybe get him on for a chat when he comes back. I reckon that would be pretty cool. Have a live cross while he's in the car. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll just see, see if he can um, live stream it on Twitch or something. I've seen a few people be able to do that. So we'll see how we go. All right. Let's jump into the community results section. So today's podcast is brought to you, or the community and results section rather, is brought to you by Locked On Lads YouTube. So make sure you jump over and check out the YouTube page and to see not only all the amazing broadcasts that Wilco and the team are putting together at the moment, but I guess any racing that the, uh, the fabled man himself jumps into um as well i know he's been trying to get into the nascar cup series hasn't quite been able to get in yet he's uh having to rely on tim corn to fly the flag on thursday nights um but you know hopefully we see we'll go in a race very very soon so let's start with one of the alexes who's missing tonight and get a really great recap once again from the one alex mckellar to tell us all about sunday night lights take it away alex G'day everyone, Alex McKellar here with your regular instalment of Top Flight Skippy Action and the weekly wrap of round three of season 27 of Sunday Night Lights. This round saw us head to the wildly under-participated circuit of the Americas where the full GP layout greeted the drivers and while the track proved it had remained unpopular with participation throughout the week being abysmal at best, the SNL drivers showed their commitment and turned out in force to put on a 5160 plus strength of field which as in the week before they really brought out the best in the track and showed just how good the racing in this category can be on just about any canvas. In qualification it was Japanese driver Naoya Nagai who once again demonstrated his remarkable savant-like abilities to lay down a lap putting himself on pole by over four-tenths in a field where you had to go beyond the top 10 rated drivers to dip into the 4KI rating range and simply was in a class of his own. Joining him on the front row was UK's and Skip Barber community representative Adam Miles with students of the Great One and fellow Japan Club members Takumi Yamato and Hikaru Sasaki filling out the second row. The lone ANZ driver in the field, Vasco Sarovsky, put in a fine performance in quality start from fifth with the lone US driver, Chris Herrera, starting alongside him on the third row. The racing kicked off with action from the get-go with up to three wide through the S's in the first sector of the opening lap. And in a testament to the skill on display, the drivers made it work without incident and the full field streamed through turn 11 onto the back straight in the mid-stages of the first lap. 
The same lap saw Sarovsky make his first move of the night, progressing up to fourth after passing Sasaki. It also saw Miles take his first stint in the lead after passing Nagai in the braking zone at the end of the back straight. An incident in the midfield saw Budgeon spun through the final sector and the front seven cars break away from the rest of the field. The front pack continued to put on some amazing racing throughout the race, with positions often changing despite the long layout often presenting few passing opportunities. The moves being made by one driver often opening the door for others to attack and really testing the strategic approaches of all involved. As the laps wound down to the finish, it was Sarovsky who found himself in the lead as the front seven crossed the line to begin the final lap after top to tail the lead pack had put on some sensational driving. The incredibly high standard of driving continued into the closing stages of the final lap where the action really heated up. After leading into the back straight, Sarovsky was shuffled back to fourth position in the braking zone at turn 12 and momentarily at least it looked like not only had he missed out on the opportunity to take out his first SNL win but indeed potentially on a podium altogether. However, the momentary overlap of Nagai and Miles through turn 13, where both will have been unsighted of the other, saw contact and a fast-thinking Sarovsky take evasive action to regain at least two of the positions he'd lost. In the control chaos that ensued, it was George Maddock who took the most advantage going on to take out his maiden SNL victory ahead of the lone team clowns driver in Vasco Sarovsky with a battle that never seemed to end between Herrera and Yamato ending with the American in front and finishing third and Yamato ending up as the leading Japanese driver in fourth. Adam Miles recovered to round out the top five. Special mention to Hiroyuki Shoda who managed to stay with the front pack to gain his best result in sixth, just ahead of the unlucky once again Naoyana guy in seventh. ANZ drivers were well represented in the second split, with Mitchell Nichols driving away from the field to win by over three seconds ahead of Japanese driver Kenji Kuroda and Team Milo's prodigal son Luke Witten. Fantastic to see ANZ's sole 2K Cup race winner Witten back out on track in a skippy. Neil Gardner had a strong race to finish fourth with Locked On's Nathan Verney in sixth. Matt Martinovich was in eighth ahead of Mark Jeffo Jeffrey who finished in ninth. M&L and SNL stalwart Jason Wilman finished inside the points in 11th, rounding out the ANZ tilt in the second split. Looking at the top 20 after three rounds, we see Japanese driver Takumi Yamato take the championship lead with Adam Miles rising to second place. And after his great result at Coda, Vasco Sarovsky remains the leading ANZ driver and moves up two positions to sit in third overall. Other ANZ drivers in the top 20 are Mark Jeffo, Jeffrey in eighth, Mitchell Nichols, who on the back of his second split win rises 10 positions to ninth, and Nathan Verney, who similarly rose 10 positions to sit just outside the top 10 in 11th. Both Neil Gardner and Jason Wilman outdid themselves this week, rising 17 and 19 positions to sit 14th and 16th respectively. Notable absentee this week, Brett McBurney, dropped eight positions to sit 19th overall. Next week sees us move to arguably the best street circuit in the iRacing catalogue in Belle Isle, and we look forward to seeing the drivers put on another amazing show. Indeed, the performances 
of our SNL community drivers in the last two weeks have once again shown the strength of the Skippy drivers and just how good the racing can be. So thank you to all the drivers who turn up and race each and every week across the splits. We really do appreciate your ongoing support for, as we say, our series is for the community, by the community, and that's how we like it. But for now, folks, and until next week, I'm Alex McKellar. Until next time, ciao for now. Awesome recap, Alex. Once again, really great to hear about all the amazing racing that's happening in SNL. I'm sure the field will be all back again next week for another bumper, probably, what, 5 or 6K strength of field these days. You know, you have to be basically a pro skippy driver to make it in. But, you know, all the way down to split fours scored. So even if you're not one of the big guys, you can still jump in and get some SNL points um, as well. Carl, we've got you here tonight, so why don't you tell us all about the happenings of Anne's car this week? Uh, and rather than having to hear you on a recorded delay, we can just get you live in the flesh. I know. I did all this effort to record this, and, uh, you know, I now have to do it live. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, look, it's nice to actually be doing this live. It's a little bit different. Um, so, you know, usually I have it all written down and just go straight through it, but I can sort of go a little bit less hectic, I guess. Um, so we start off with the Affinity Construction Truck Series. Uh, it was round seven from Chicago Land Speedway, as I said. Um, it, it didn't work out too well for me with that one-stop strategy, uh, obviously. Uh, so uh, like, we, we won't go into too much detail with that. I did finish at least, uh, so that was something. Uh, Mitch Motorsport were very, very proud to put it on pole because it was their sponsor's race as well. Um, so but they're always happy when they can do that. It was uh, Hamish Gallagher on pole with Jason Martin on the outside. The race ran green from start to finish as well, which really surprised a lot of people. And that's kind of the thing that, caught me out because i kind of stopped on lap 48 of a uh, 100 lap race and was two laps shy of fuel at the end and had to do a lot of saving to get there so that kind of hurt me a lot uh, so the two stopper was definitely the best option and the people that split it down the middle um sort of around about that like lap 35 area they made a really good run through the field uh the rest of the field stagger their stops. I said there was quite a few people gambling on a late safety car, uh, late, late, uh, late safety car. Gosh, I've gone all, I've gone all European now, pace car. Um, late pace car coming out and possibly a caution, and it didn't happen, and it really cost a lot of people out. Um, I, I know Skerlock got cost out, caught out with that one. He expected the caution to come out quite late. He was trying to save it to the end, try for that one stop, and he sort of was leading and up there for the winning and lost out because of that. So there were a lot of people that gambled. The main thing, though, was up the front. It was a five-car battle with 1.3 seconds gapping the, the five cars at the end. Jaden Russell ended up taking the win with Jason Martin in second, Micklemore in third, Danny G fourth, and Hamish Gallagher in fifth. Uh, an absolute dominant night for Mitch Motorsport and Synergy, who are sort of the satellite teams of each other. They get on very well. So with uh, Russell taking the win for Synergy, they were super stoked about that. Uh, Championship-wise, Danny G's back in the lead of the championship now, just six points ahead of his teammate Josh Micklemore in second. Luke Traher's in third uh, with Gallagher in fourth, Russell fifth, 
uh, Maddie Ray in sixth. Seventh is Martin. Eighth is Clark. Williams ninth and Skurlock in P10. Uh, so we'll next up head to the Mad As Designs 86 at Richmond Raceway, uh, where the thunder of the Xfinity roared over Strawberry Hill itself. Uh, the race was live, of course, over on Locked On Lads TV, being produced by Mr. Wilco. Uh, the other the other Wilco, I guess. I can call him that because, you know, we're both <laughs> Wilkinsons. So, yeah, I, 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 I will claim primary Wilkinson. Uh, I'll, I'll do that now while he's not here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Wilkinson prime for me. Um, so... <laughs> um, so the other Wilco was there producing and doing his usual thing. Uh, but we had a really good race to watch. Uh, Skurlock actually put it on pole, setting a time of 22 seconds, 0.350, which is really interesting because his car is the 350. So he got his, his qualifying time perfect with that one. It sort of was absolutely in sync. Uh, Dyson on the outside line for the start of the race. 29 laps in, we had a really great tussle but then a caution flag flew uh we would see a nice long green stint after that and the front pack would race pretty hard up until lap 96 where the field would ha head into pit lane after another caution uh however it would all come down to a green white checker in the end and an absolute mad ending as dave douglas got loose trying to get past lachlan urquio at the front of the field and basically wiped out pretty much everybody from i think it was about fourth down uh got absolutely destroyed it was a mad finish and of course because the white flag had come out there was no green white checker for it so this really made a difference one of the big gainers was actually josh micklemore he was down in something like 16th 17th position and then he ended up finishing sixth in the race because he just managed to daze a thunder it through the whole field a really really good one for that Skurlock would end up finishing the race in first position, but unfortunately his telemetry didn't save. Uh, so in Ansgar, we, we have an open telemetry system where you, you supply telemetry for the top three, uh, just so we can check things are in order, of course, because of a certain macro situation that happened, uh, just to keep things open and fair. And if you don't supply the telemetry, then obviously it's a disqualification. So unfortunately, Skurlock did win the race, but he couldn't supply his telemetry, so he got disqualification. So that meant that Mr. Hamish Gallagher would take the victory, uh, the absolute king of thunder, um, just ahead of Lachlan Oakley uh, in one of his best finishes of the season in second, with Ryan Jones third, Jason Martin fourth, and Aiden Schultz in fifth position. Gallagher is absolutely chewing ahead in title defence now. He's 58 points ahead of Jaden Russell in second. Ruben Phelps third in the championship. Fourth is Micklemore. Fifth for Skurlock. Clark in sixth. Seventh for Patton. Eighth for Raymond. Ninth for Douglas. And tenth for Carol Walden. And uh, finally, we'll finish off with the 24-7 Sim Services and Car Cup. Just before you do, I heard rumours that Skurlock was actually disqualified for the video he posted in the Ansgar Discord. <laughs> Well, you know, that that might have been something to do with uh, Luke Traher's flute playing. Um, so, yeah, it's a dodgy situation. No, no, absolutely. Uh, if you ever get a chance to, to check out the Ansgard Discord before a race, Skurlock will often put a motivational speech up there. He did a motivational song this week, and it was something special. Um, he is an uh, absolute character and uh, just one of a kind, that man. That's it. it. It's it's always fun to have around because he is such a laugh, and he you know he, he takes things seriously on the track. But he is always the first to say, "Look, sorry, I screwed up." You know, he is very much there and always puts his hand up when something goes wrong. But he will race you hard, and you know, I've been lucky enough to race against him a fair few times now, and it's always been nice and clean. A little bit of door banging here and there, but relatively <laughs> clean. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, round seven uh, of the series for the Cup was at Richmond, um, the second short track for the Gen 7. Uh, so that made things a bit difficult because we were at Phoenix before, of course. Um, and it has been a very, very different little situation. Um, so that that sort of has changed up things a little bit and the short tracks do tend to be a bit difficult but it was mr hobbo hobson that proved pace on the short track yet again taking pole ahead of skirlock on the outside the race went green for almost two laps which is good for a short track um so that that was a that was a nice start to the race uh so as is often the case with short tracks we did have cautions breeding cautions and people really struggled to get the gen 7 car working after their um after their little stints because once those tires get cool it really really gets uh, gets tricky and it's very hard to get it working again so with the multitude of cautions came a lot of different strategies as well a mix up of tires on the track uh this led to drivers having you know tires that were 40 odd laps old drivers having fresh tires and the, the pace deficit wasn't too much because when you're on the cold tires, it takes a couple of laps to get up to speed as well. So that really made things interesting. However, the final piece of the puzzle came on lap 136 when the uh, the car number 313 came out of pit lane after serving a drive-through penalty and caused the lead pack to check up when he rejoined the track, meaning the lead pack got broken up. This led to Michael Skurlock having to sort of avoid the car crash into Edward Foster and it caused a big ripple effect down the rest of the field and uh, very much upset the front pack and made it a little bit different. Um, made it, I wouldn't say easy, but but did help out Brenton Hobson and Jaden Russell of Synergy to take their first one-two of the season and their best finishes of the season as well. Hobbo taking his first victory in Ansgar, Jaden Russell his first uh, second place in the Cup Series. So great job for them. Well-deserved first victory for Hobson. Micklemore made it home in third, um, thanks to a little lucky ducky. Um, you'll have to ask Mitch about that one. But yeah, he, uh, he had, on his, had his little lucky rubber ducky with him that night, and it seemed to pay off. Fourth was uh, Jones, and fifth was Skurlock in the end. Um, and we have to mention the lucky 31st as well. So we've had such interest in Ansgar recently that we've, we've sort of got a second split running where you, you sort of go into that to race for the 31st spot. We only have 30 spots open in the regular field for the Cup. So last time out at Cota, Justin Witcher ended up winning the race and got himself locked in for Richmond. Uh, so he had to start down in 31st place, but he ended up finishing in 7th. So he made the best of that situation. So really good job for him. Uh, Lachlan Urquio went on to win this week's round, so he's going to get the 31st spots for Martinsville next week. Uh, so championship-wise, it's Hobson that now takes the lead after a horror run for the DPR drivers of Pearson and Dyson, who are in second and third. Foster's now fourth, Skurlock fifth, Martin sixth, Allison seventh, Danny G eighth, Philip Wally in ninth, and Ruben Phelps in P10. So, yeah, that's everything there for Ansgar. Of course, we head off to Martinsville next week for all three series. Um, as you, you heard at the beginning, uh, it didn't go so well for me, uh, it, at least in the trucks. But we're off there tomorrow night for Thunder, of course, on Locked On Lads TV. And then for the Cup over on Ansgar Facebook page and Performance e-streaming on YouTube. So for all those drivers out there, Carl is pleading with you, please, please take it easy and don't screw up with those tyres. <laughs> yeah just don't push it on the opening laps guys like that's the thing it's a long race and on a short track like that if you go too hard you are just going to absolutely wreck so quickly and it, it has that ripple effect just go into it and just don't push so hard in the early stages i think the cup race is going to be the really tricky one those cup cars are going to be a handful absolutely 
Well, speaking of uh, crashes, uh, hopefully uh, the V8 Scop segment we've got uh, pre-recorded by one of the original Locked On lads, Callum Heinrich, and uh, the OSR man himself, Mike Koroleff, uh, doesn't go into too much detail about my crashing in the pits. Uh, I'd appreciate it if they maybe leave that one on the side. But let's hear from Cal and Mike with all the happenings from this week's round at uh, most sport from the V8 Scops. Hi everyone, this is Cal here from the Locked On Lads giving you the results from this week's action from V8 Scops brought to you by Oceanic Sim Racing, VRS, Too Easy Finance, Bowler Media and the Sim Speed Esports Network. As this is the first time the Locked On Lads iRacing podcast is picking up Scops results for 2022, here is a quick rundown of the results thus far. After the Scops caravan has rolled into Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, Montreal, and then onto one of my favourite tracks, the Red Bull Ring, Jared Fussell has had a dominant start after returning to full-time competition. Prior to round two, Jared is leading Joshua Anderson with Ethan Grigg Galt coming in third. The gap from first to fifth was only 95 points coming into this round, so still tight at the top of early in the season. On the team's front, the prime Trans-Tasman Racing Team is leading coming to the round three, with Pursuits in Racing in second and Trans-Tasman Racing Team in third. It's round three of the season, and Scops is back to the land of maple syrup and the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Each race was only 100 kilometres in distance, a lot shorter than previous rounds, with Split 2 only having one race and Split 2 having two races to gain points. Second split started the racing off with Paul Young, a debutante in the Scops of 2022, achieving pole for second split, which only had 1.5 second gap between cars and all cars on the grid. This is going to be a tight race given the shorter split sprint 100km distance. The start didn't disappoint with the mid-pack trading paint on turn 1, resulting in a safety car being called before the end of the lap, which allowed some racers to take advantage to complete mandatory split pit stops and repair turn 1 damage. This decision to pit early would be critical to the final standings of the race. The early stages of the race saw action across all of the field with pixels being traded between many of the drivers fighting for position. Shout out to Locked On Lad's own Braden Martin for the most artistic pit entrance of 2022 thus far, managing to park the car in reverse, entering into pit lane and then flick spinning the car, narrowly missing Cameron Jones. We haven't seen pit antics like this since Bottas decided to warm up his tyres up in the Styrian GP pit lane last year. As the race concluded, it was clear that those trying to overcut would not be able to counter the early pitting drivers, with the undercut just being too strong, resulting in Blake Delaney, who took to the pits during the safety car period, taking the win from, from, from Fishy Motorsports teammate David Coleman up 32 positions, with Ben Christensen third. This finish was far from eventful, however, with tragedy for our pole setter Paul Young, punted on the final straight, finishing 28th, crossing the line in reverse. The main event saw two 26-lap, 100-kilometre races, which, due to the dynamic weather settings, had drivers starting early in the morning with light fog covering the track. Qualifying saw a TTR front-row lockout, with Brady Myers on pole and Madison down second, with Jared Fussell and Josh Anderson filling out the second row. Fussell took the whole shot from the start, with three and four wide amongst the mid-pack along the end of the main straight at the end of lap one. The lead wouldn't be for long, though, as Fussell on lap four was TTR'd with some excellent driving on lap three by Brady Myers to take the lead. Following on from their split two counterparts, pit strategy and time management ultimately decided who made it to the podium. This was demonstrated, unfortunately, by Fussell, who chosen to hold out to the last possible opportunity, compounded with a speeding penalty on pit entry, ruining his chance for the win. 
Once the fog had lifted and the chequered flag had fallen, Brady Myers secured P1, with Ethan Griggolt second, after a masterful, masterful use of the undercut, with Madison Down taking third in what was some close racing in the final phase. For race two, the fog had burnt off and the track temperature rose in 23 degrees to a searing 41 degrees, making lap time significantly slower in race two, entire degradation at consideration. The starting two rows for race two looked very similar to race one, with Brady Myers on pole, followed by TTR team members Josh Anderson in second and Madison Down in third, with Jared Fussell again near the front rounding out row two. The lead pack started cleanly for race two, with the two front rows launching almost in order. The mid pack was where the action was at, with some cars three wide jostling for position. Early phases of the race, the top seven was covered by 1.7 seconds, with only the slightest mistake causing drivers to fall out of the top ten. Taking notes from race one, Fasella was the first of the lead pack to pit and benefited from the undercut, putting him into the lead with six laps to go after the pit stops had all been completed. The action was in the, the racing for the top ten, where the, where the racing was tough throughout and made some exciting moments. The final standings had Jared Fasella crossing first, with Josh Anderson just holding off Madison down for second. After three rounds, Jared Fussell extends his lead and with consistent finishes in both races, Ethan Griggolt holds on to second, with Madison Down in third. Josh Anderson is fourth and Andrew Gillum in fifth. With only 63, a 63-point gap between the top five, the competition is still very close. In the team standings, Trans-Tasman Racing leads, followed by Pursuit Sim Racing, Synergy Sim Racing in third, and TTR Team 3 in fourth, and Evolution Racing Team 4 in fifth. Next, the Scops Caravan heads to the rolling hills of northeast Georgia and Road Atlanta on the 21st and to the 24th of April. So make sure to catch all of the action live on SimSpeed TV on YouTube and Twitch. Otherwise, you can catch me recapping all the highlights and results for you on the next Locked On Lads iRacing News and Results episode after the event. Until then, it is back to the bodice pit lane burnout champion Braden and the rest of the Locked On Lads racing crew. All right, thank you for that, Mike and Cal. I'm looking forward to hearing a few more V8 Scops uh, recaps from you guys, and it's nice to hear Cal back on the microphone um, on a podcast. So well done for getting that organized this week. Gentlemen, that's about it for this week. Uh, So it's about time that we wrap up this week's podcast. I suppose before we run off, uh, where can people find you, AJ, and what do you have coming up this week? Uh, back into the Porsches this week uh, with AOG. So Tuesday night, you look for me on SimSpeed. I rely on far better people to uh, put put my uh, car out on the screen. But uh, that, that'll be that. And I actually, I'm keen to try um, SNL. It's at Belle Isle this week. So that should be fun. And, and yeah, so I, I might get back into it and, um, and chuck something up on my um, YouTube. So AJ underscore 77. This is the way I got into uh, sort of doing a little bit of streaming, a little bit of video stuff back in the day, back when I was second split uh, in <laughs> in the uh, Monday Night Lights, and it was. Um, so I might might try that again and have a bit more second split action on, on YouTube because I definitely am not going to be making first split. There you go, jumping out of the commentary box and into the racing uh, and uh, seeing how you go. I look forward to seeing that. Carl? Before we run off, uh, we can't forget about you. Where can people catch you and what's on the agenda for this week for yourself? Uh, well, my week's just beginning effectively. So lots and lots of broadcasts going on, of course. Tomorrow night, we have got the funder, as I said, for Man's Car Locked On Lads TV, uh, which I will be producing as well tomorrow night. So that's going to be fun. Um, so doing producing and commentary as 
I always love to do that because it makes my life so much easier. Uh, and I'll also be, of course, doing the cup on Thursday night. I, as I say, everyone at Hans Carl Facebook page, just head over there. It's a bit easier. Uh, also doing the final round of the Austral Asian Supercar E-Series as well Sunday night. Um, so a little bit in comp competition there with Saturday, uh, Sunday Night Lights. You know, sorry. Sorry, Alex. Um, Alex's, um, you know, it, it's tricky. Uh, but we'll be doing that one. And that will be over on their Facebook page of, of Australasian Supercar E-Series. And I might have it running up on my channel as well, which, uh, if you don't know, is Screezilla, S-K-R-E-E-Z-I-L-L-A. Uh, and that's where you can find lots of really weird, obscure military history stuff, um, my general weird hobbies and things like that, and costuming and w lots of weird things. So, yeah, feel free to come and follow me over there. That's where I do a lot of things. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my week. And I might even get the chance to drive something at some stage, but I doubt it. Sounds good. And you can find me at twitch.tv slash the one D Wade uh, on YouTube, the one D Wade or on Twitter at Braden talks. I don't have any league races to do anymore um, with SRW finished for the time being. Not a hundred percent sure if I'll jump back in to that or if i just try and focus on scops it being on sunday night and making you know the split two races at the moment it is quite a bit of driving within a few hours for me um concentration wise and trying to learn two tracks in the v8 is quite difficult um so i might actually start doing some v8 officials so that's going to completely ruin my i rating but i'm just gonna pretend that it doesn't matter and i'm gonna try my best not to care even though i know i'm gonna be crying to myself to sleep after each one but we'll see how we go um, and that's the plan for me um, as well. I would have loved to uh, chuck up a couple of videos from my first couple of Scops races um, onto the YouTube channel, but just with work at the moment, I just have not had time. So I'd like to do that, hopefully with holidays coming up in the next few weeks. Hopefully I can get some more stuff out on the YouTube channel. Um, obviously, you can find all the Locked On Lads stuff at LockedOnLads.com. The uh, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook page is also under Locked On Lads. YouTube channel is under Locked On Lads YouTube. Oh, sorry, Locked On Lads YT. If you want to jump in the Discord and have a chat, www.lockedonlads.com forward slash Discord. And if you want to abuse Peter uh, for not being here tonight and deserting us and going on a holiday, his personal Twitter is at Wilco's Chill Zone. Um, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you as well. So that brings us to the end tonight, gentlemen. I thoroughly enjoyed having a chat. Hopefully. Oh, actually, before we run off, can we get a prediction for the Formula One? Carl, what's your prediction? Science, Perez, Russell. All right, AJ, what are you going? Oh, I like the Russell uh, one in there, but uh, I think I would have to go... Um, I think I'm going to go Verstappen. Verstappen and Leclerc, uh, I'd say they're going to be 1-2 or 2-1, who, who knows. But it'll be them at the front. And then finishing off the podium, I'm going to say Bottas. I do want to also say, I reckon Alonso is going to go well. I've got I've got a weird feeling that the Alpine is going to go well at this track. And now I've completely jinxed it. So it is going to catch on fire on the first day of uh, practice. But I do get a weird feeling that Alonso might do well. 
All right, well, I'm going to go Verstappen, Leclerc, and seeing as we've all taken a bit of an outlandish, you know, well, I mean, Russell's not exactly outlandish, but <laughs> we're taking a little bit more of a risky pick. I'm going to chuck Kevin Magnussen on the podium because I would love to see Gunter Steiner go absolutely nuts uh, if they get a podium. So Who knows what he would do to the paddock? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right, that's all from us. Enjoy your week of racing, and we'll be back next week to wrap up everything in the iRacing community. Take care and goodbye.